This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton on the Zoom call this morning. I, I look back on my career as a reporter and I, I always laugh and say the highlight was the opening of the showers at Kickapoo. I think Steve Brandy can now say the highlight of his career is a bed bug story. So yes. there you go. <laughs> we got all got to have our moment. <laughs> so this morning we're doing an egg update and we're having a Tom and Jerry show. And we love that all the time when we do that. Tom Fricky from Vermillion County Farm Bureau is with us, as is Jerry Askren from Iroquois Federal Vice President of Ag. Um, and always enjoy talking to them to, to find out what's going on. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. I I almost felt like I got replaced last week on Tom and Jerry. Oh. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we did have a, was it just a different Tom? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave the sidekick of Jerry always the same. And yeah, Jerry's always, Jerry's the pivotal point there. And then we just revolve the toms around him. Okay, guys. Uh, last time you were here, we were wrapping up a harvest. So, Tom, give me an overview now that it's all done. How did we end up overall here in Vermilion County? I think for the most part, we ended up good. Uh, there were some very good spots. There were some disappointing spots. Most of those were weather related as we knew we'd have going in, but you just never know where those will be or how many there will be. Uh, we didn't end up with the exceptional yields countywide that we might have thought we would have had going into August or to start harvest, but we ended up decent. And that it's always a good sign. Now, some areas, some pockets, I'm going to say probably were lower than than average or, or lower than maybe they anticipated. So that's where things always go awry because of Mother Nature. And, and there's just nothing you can do on that from the growing side. But that's where you need to make sure your risk management plan is in place and making sure that you've got proper crop insurance and, and risk management tools as part of your toolbox to make sure that you have compensated for those unknowns that will happen throughout the year. Not, not if they'll happen. We, we know the unknowns, the unknowns are known. We know they will happen. We just don't know what those unknowns will be. True. True. So Jerry, from the bank's perspective, what does that mean? Because really what, how, how a harvest concludes the kind of revenue that a farmer is able to make when all the bills get paid really determines how much money there is to go toward preparing the crops, preparing the ground for the crops next year, as well as new equipment and the things that are needed to keep his operation going. So from the bank's perspective, what does that mean? Well, that's a, that's a huge thing, Linda, because uh, the farmers depended on bushels. You know, it's a production in, uh, situation. You know, the the, the, the more that they can produce, the their better their revenues are going to be. And as Tom talked about, maybe it was 10 bushels lighter or 15 bushels lighter on corn than what we thought because of that hot, hot and dry August time frame that came across. Um, but the, the factor that probably did the, the best for the farmer was the, the high cost or the high value of those bushels. Um, 
kept their revenues uh, at, at excellent levels uh, finishing out the year. So when we finish up with one of our farm operators, we sit down at the end of harvest at the end of the year, and we look at how much cash they have, how many bushels they have, what the value of that is, uh, how much have they already paid for next year's um, crop process. You know, have they worked their ground? Have they put on uh, um, anhydrous? And have they purchased some of their inputs, their chemicals and things for the next year? And then we total that asset side and then subtract from that the things that they owe from last year. Do they owe cash rents or do they have a balance on their operating line? Uh, what term notes do they have yet to pay? You know, they bought a combine last December and they've got a payment due now at the end of the year. Yeah, when you total all of that up, then do you have a surplus left over to help your operation going into the next year? And we found those numbers to be uh, very, very good. Um, the situation, as you talked about, preparing for next year and, and looking toward that. Um, as we see the fuel prices at the pump have gone up, uh, the farmer has seen that his fuel prices have gone up. Uh, Quite often, petroleum ties right into the products that they need to produce that corn crop, and those things have increased dramatically. So the same thing we see uh, from our households, there's cost of living increases. The farmers have seen those things, and sometimes two or three times higher than what they paid for that same product the year before. So, Tom, let's talk for a moment about anhydrous. You know, one thing none of us really understand about farming is all the prep work that goes into uh, next year's crop. So you barely get the, this year's crop in and, and, and just take a sigh of relief that everything went okay. And then you've got to start looking forward immediately and planning. And one of the things you have to do is take care of your ground. So talk to me about the challenges created right now with anhydrous. Well, anhydrous is one of and probably the most popular way of putting nitrogen into the ground for the corn crop to be able to utilize. If you've driven by a field in the spring time and, and the corn looks a little yellow, it, it's lacking nitrogen and that nitrogen intake is not taking place. There are different products you can use to put that anhydrous on and, and farmers use a wide variety depending on their farm operation and their ground. But the most popular method of getting that nitrogen to the plant is putting on anhydrous ammonia. And a lot of guys will try to do as much of that in the fall as they can because you never know what the weather is going to be like in the spring. This year we've seen such an anomaly in anhydrous prices where guys probably had prepaid for anhydrous in the $650, $700 range. And, and what that means is back in the spring or in the summer, they went to their fertilizer dealer and they bought so many pounds of anhydrous at, at that price for prepay to put on fall application. As changes occurred in the anhydrous industry, and, and part of that ties back to natural gas, that we all got the notices in our Amber Power Bill that expect higher gas prices this winter, Some somewhere we've created a natural gas shortage where we were ex exporting it previously. And now we have uh, increased the cost of production of that nitrogen. And so what was costing $700 now is in the $15 to $1,700 wow. range. So you're talking a dramatic increase on that. And it's 
just having an impact. Now, as Jerry said, the, the one saving grace we have right now is we are still enjoying fairly robust commodity prices. So we'll be able to get through it. But it, if any place increases your expenses a hundredfold, you're going to be yeah. struggling to pencil out that bottom line as much as you did in the past. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens this time of the year is uh, farmers looking to pick up new pieces of equipment that, you know, they had major breakdowns, stuff's just really old, they've got to replace it, Jerry. Uh, and so they come to you, but really, um, there's not a lot of product out there. No, there's there's not. There, now, there's some very good used equipment out there, and, and that too is uh, very expensive to purchase. But the, the farmers experience in a similar situation, we always try to bring this back to the household, have you went to the, the dealership and tried to buy a new car, a new pickup truck? Um, they're, they're difficult to find. Same situation. And I think a lot of it comes back to uh, you know, not having the, the parts for the assembly. And in some cases, it's the labor force. But whatever the cause of it is, uh, it's difficult to find uh, some of that new equipment. And if you do find it, um, it's it's pretty expensive. Uh, I've talked to a lot of guys that have uh, been looking at buying some used equipment and used equipment can be in excellent shape, but they said, you'll be searching, you'll find one, um, call the dealership the next day and it's sold. So yeah. uh, there, there are a lot of, a lot of operators that are taking these high revenues that they've, that they've uh, earned in this last year of 2021 and trying to upgrade some of their equipment. Because Linda, if you don't have your equipment updated, there's an expense line on your financial uh, statement that's called repairs and maintenance. And those will go through the roof if you're not, if you don't have good equipment. And it's it's difficult to maintain those, those older pieces. And it can get as expensive as it is to purchase new or, or, or something newer than you're operating with today. Well, the reality is if you're if you're in the middle of planting or you're in the middle of harvest, if you have a major breakdown, you're done. You you can't do anything until you get it fixed. So you have to have equipment that works. We're gonna to go to Absolutely. break, be back in just a moment to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning and on the Zoom call, it's the Tom and Jerry Show. Tom Fricke from Vermillion County Farm Bureau, Jerry Askren from Iroquois Federal Ag Department, um, Executive VP. They're here as they are always. We love doing the Tom and Jerry Show. I don't even know why I show up. These guys could do the show themselves. <laughs> but, but our point being, we're trying to remind you no matter what your job is or what your life is out there, um, what happens in the agricultural community of Vermilion County impacts you. Um, and so we try to remind you of that and explain it to you whenever we can. Tom, let's talk for a minute about the family farm. Over the last few years, we've seen a trend where some farm families are getting out of the business um, we've still maintained quite a few here in Vermillion County. What's that picture look like overall? This is not an easy industry. This is not an easy profession. No, and it does take a, it's 
it's an industry that takes a passion to be involved with, not just an economic mind and a, and a hard work ethic, but it takes a passion to be involved with it too. That passion is still out there. We're still looking at 95 to 97% of the farm operations in Illinois are still family operations. Now, some of them may look a little different than what we have thought of as the family farm in the past. Some of them are probably incorporated for tax structures and whatnot. And sometimes that causes some people to look at those as corporate farms. But if they're still a family controlled corporation, they're still a family operation, no different than any other family business we're looking at on Main Street in town. So that family structure is there. Uh, we continue to see a fewer and farmers uh, being active as as farmers retire. Although in my 20 plus years being here at Vermillion County Farm Bureau, there have been several new farmers that have come online and I'm sure Jerry has helped a lot of them get their operations going as well. So there is still the opportunity to come into farming. It's a struggle, but it can happen and it is happening here locally. So Jerry, from the bank's perspective, how do you view this? Um, so, so you're sitting in your office and a guy walks in and says, oh, I want to start a farm. Um, after you pick yourself up off the floor, um, <laughs> what, no, seriously, what, how does the bank approach this? Because it's a huge investment. It's a huge risk. Uh, it's a huge challenge. I mean, uh, farming, like I said, is just not an easy business. So how does the bank look at that? It's it's not a it's not an easy task, but uh, I've I've often talked. It comes back to, do you have the acres to farm? Because uh, I told somebody I said you could lease equipment, you can get plenty of ad advice on how to operate a farm. Let's say that this person that walked in the door um, wasn't from a farm, or grandpa or great grandpa farmed, and they've always wanted to do it. Uh, you can go out and get the equipment. Um, either buying it yourself or leasing it. You can find expert advice from the seed man, the chemical guy, the Vermillion County Farm Bureau's uh, around, and and you could farm uh, in that fashion. But how do you get the land? And that's the biggest thing. And it's the biggest challenge even for the farmers that are farming today. Uh, the the land is is the biggest deal. You can't farm without acres. Uh, and And that's always the biggest challenge. For someone who wants to do a startup farm is how do you get those acres um, now if someone comes in and says they want to start up a small farm but they're going to keep working their regular day job and try to do that and, and it's a hobby farm those are a little easier to financially pencil than the person that says i want to quit my job that i'm making uh, hundred and twenty thousand dollars in every year and i'm going to start farming uh that one that one's a little tougher too and especially if they're wanting to farm big but again, can you find the acres to farm? Do you have that rich uncle or, or friend that has uh, uh, a few uh, hundred or a, or a couple thousand acres that they're willing to let you farm? Makes it a little easier. Tom, what is a productive far, uh, farm? In, in other words, um, how big a plot of land do you actually need to be a productive farm? All that that's as variable as the number of people farming. I mean, part of it depends on the farm operation. How, how many people or how many families is that operation supposed to support? If that's the sole source of income, um, 
<clears throat> and what are you growing on it? I mean, are you growing corn and soybeans? Are you growing pumpkins? Are you growing strawberries? We've got those types of operations here in Vermilion County. As Jerry said, some of, some of those types of operations aren't necessarily your sole income source. So the, the number of acres needed just depends on your particular operation. Are you leasing equipment? Are you sharing it? Are you custom renting equipment? That's another issue that can determine how many acres you need. So I get, I'm not trying to avoid the answer. I'm just not no, sure there is a straight answer to be able to give you because there are so many different variables. Is, is there an off-farm income through a spouse or somebody else that's available to help cover some of the, some of the expenses, that sort of thing. So there's just, there's so many different scenarios that go into a farm operation that there's not just one straight answer to that question. Yeah, I got it. That's a fair answer. It was, it was kind of a tricky question, but I figured you could handle it. We're going to, Derek, we're going to go to break and come back because I want to talk a little bit about supply chain. We'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you on the Zoom call this morning. It's the Tom and Jerry Show. I have Tom Fricky from Vermilion County Farm Bureau. Jerry Askren from Iroquois Federal, who just totally enjoyed the advertisement on our break. So anyway, <laughs> um, Tom, let's talk for just a minute. Uh, we are now in year three of COVID. I can't believe I'm saying those words. Yeah. We saw horrible uh, supply chain issues arise. Did we learn from that? Are we making some progress? Is it getting better in getting food on the table? Yes, and the I guess the quick answer was there, there was never a shortage of food. There may, may not have been the particular item you were looking for at the time. Uh, it seemed like locally, uh, dried beef or chip beef dip was the big shortage at Christmas time. But uh, I don't know what, what that particular cause was. But anyhow, that seemed to be what I was hearing from folks. But there are, I think we've become, had become so accustomed to always having everything that, that the minute something's not there, Oh, it's a, it's a tragedy. It's a, it's a, it's a calamity. Yes. And not that it's not an issue and not that there aren't some things that need to be worked through, but I think for the most part, the, the product is there. It's just a matter of getting it to the right place at the right time. And, and some of that issue, of course, early on, some of the meat issues became because of the, of COVID outbreaks in some of the packing plants. And I don't, you don't hear about that as much. So I think that's kind of got resolved or they've come up with solutions to be able to keep that going. So hopefully that, that continues to move forward. Uh, but as we hear the, the supply chain and transportation issues and, and it's, it's with any other industry, kind of a shortage of workers available. Some of that transportation gridlock became when some of the truck driver schools had just closed down in the early stages of COVID. So we weren't getting that new influx of, of driver classes like we did. One of the things Illinois Farm Bureau has done to help alleviate some of that supply chain issue is they have started a truck driver scholarship program to where they're going to be offering a 
$1,000 scholarships across the state divided into regions and divided into different parts of the year to help urge uh, truck drivers that are entering commercial truck driving schools to help pay for some of that tuition expense. So that's one of the things we're doing to help try to address some of that issue. I appreciate that answer because, you know, we've struggled with that. I I think for the most part, you're right. We either have this fire, fire, hair on fire panic attack because a section of the shelves are empty or we've just learned that, well, okay, maybe next week it'll be here. Uh, It's, it's an adjustment that we've learned to make, but uh, it's, I, th- I think it's getting better, but it is still a challenge. Jerry, from the bank's perspective, you know, we, I always tell people that y'all can talk about all the industry we have. Tim Dudley can jump up and down about major production uh, manufacturing plants and et cetera, and that's great. But the backbone and the be-all and where-all of the economy of Vermilion County still remains agriculture. Is that is that true from the bank's perspective? Is that what you see? I think so. Um, I I first uh, got my start uh, in banking in Danville at a bank. Unfortunately, is not here anymore. The Palmer Bank, and I I think we try to model ourselves after the things that that bank did uh, when uh, here at Iroquois Federal, and that's one of the things we did uh, here about four or five years ago. Uh, really wanted to get into the market and start supporting that agricultural community because they're so important to East Central Illinois uh, in in, the, in our community and our economic strength comes from um, the farming industry. I, I, Linda, you're exactly right. I mean, you look at everything that that touches agriculture. Every household uh, comes back to um, the the importance of agriculture, and we have to support our farmers. Uh, and that's one of the tasks that we have here at the bank is uh, to keep those those farm operations viable. Um, I okay, I'm going to tell a little story. There's a, a one of my favorite Christmas songs by Alabama talks about how uh, the banker tried to take their farm, and I said uh, I changed that song that Randy Owens wrote to the banker helped us save our farm, and uh, by the grace of God we're still here. And uh, there's some years that are really tough, and and it's hard for the farmer to think. Do I want to continue? This might be one of them coming up here in 2022. As Tom's talked about, the high input cost. And right now, the uh, the value of the grains uh, and the markets and the livestock is high, and that's helping the farmer. But um, I did a number with a guy. He said, uh, what happens if prices are $2 higher? I said, you're making a lot of money. I said, I'm the banker, though. I'm going to tell you, if it drops 50 cents to a dollar, you're bringing me money at the end of the year. To think to finish everything up, uh, and and that's the reality that the farmer faces uh, year to year. Absolutely. Hey Tom, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Are farmers today smarter? I mean, they have access to more technology. Um, those old guys really flew by the seat of their pants, and they knew everything that was happening. But are farmers today more studied and aware? I. There's more technology, there's more information available. You, you could make the argument that farmers 50 years ago were smarter because they did it and grew a crop and raised a family without all that extra information. That's true. So, so there's that side of that coin as well. I think farmers today aren't, they aren't just workers. They're, they are more and more the businessman that we've known agriculture is all along, but it's more and more recognized that there is the 
the business side of agriculture, the business side of farming that you need to pencil out and know your your balance sheet, your expenses, know how things are going to work out, have, develop a marketing plan. Uh, some guy's marketing plan used to be whatever was in the truck you took to the elevator. That That was worked sometimes, didn't work other times. In this day and age, I don't think that's a viable marketing plan. And I think guys are more astute to, to being able to use different marketing tools and marketing technology to create a, a good business plan so that they are able to survive these higher fertilizer prices in a year like this year, or like Jerry said, to survive a drop in commodity prices. A lot, a lot of the success in agriculture right now is due to these higher commodity prices. As Jerry said, if we if we see a drop of 50 cents to a dollar on some of these crop prices, we're going on on the corn especially, we're going to be seeing a whole different scenario playing out in the country. And so that's why it's important to keep working on trade deals. That's why it's important to keep finding new uses for our products and commodities. That's why it's important to keep building up our infrastructure so we can get it to market. Yeah, uh, Jerry, you've only got one minute, but so what that means is if you have, if you have a farmer who is more focused on his budget and making sure he runs his operation like a business, that's got to be easier on the, on you guys at the bank. Absolutely. If they can bring us good numbers and show us exactly what their operation is doing and, and the and the, the goals they have for it in the future, it's a lot easier for your financer to help you be successful. And, and that's a huge key. So yeah, the better the information they can bring to their banker, the 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 better off that operation is going to have to be. It's it's absolutely true. Guys, I thank you so much for the update this morning. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We will be talking to you again in the spring as we get ready for another season. Thank you for all your information. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. All right, join me tomorrow. Sandra Finch, City of Danville, will be with me. We're going to talk about voting rights, human rights, civil rights. These are things we toss around all the time. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. So join us on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.